Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to gather and to worship you with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And Lord, we ask, Holy Spirit, as we continue this time of worship, Lord, that you would speak to us, that you would encourage us, that you would rebuke us, Lord, that we might repent and walk in a repentance that is um, humbling, Lord, and deeply satisfying because of who you are and all that you have granted to us not because we've deserved it, but because you give it freely. And so, Lord, we pray that, Jesus, as we lift you up, that you would draw men and women to yourself. And, Lord, that our eternal perspective might expand and that our current sufferings and our current struggles might lessen in view of the hope that we have, the joy that we have in you. And, Lord, we thank you that this joy is not merely a feeling, but it's a deeply, deeply ingrained sense that you are for us and that you are with us and that you choose us through Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Good morning. My name is Casey Cease. I see a lot of new faces that I haven't had the joy of meeting quite yet, so I, I hope that we are able to connect sometime soon. Um, but uh, my name's Casey, and I'm one of the teaching elders here um, at uh, Redeemer Church, and this is actually my first time to preach with that title. I was looking back at our preaching schedule, and the last time I preached was uh, January the, the, the 9th, perhaps, and then I was commissioned as an elder here um, on the following Sunday. And so now that I'm in and tenured, buckle up, okay? Um, so I, I'm, I'm kidding, kind of. Uh, if you have your Bible with you, open with me to uh, Matthew chapter 5. Uh, we're still wrapping up, we're actually going to be wrapping up the Beatitudes today. Um, and I just want to give a shout out to Pastor Marcus. He preached for 10 Sundays straight. Uh, which I know there, there are preachers out there that preach every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Sunday night, every, God bless those people, um, but typically, you know, about a six-week run, I need a rest if I'm preaching for six weeks straight, and brother went 10 weeks while also running a, an international ministry in Africa and tending to souls and putting together a process to hire another pastor. And so I'm just so grateful for Pastor Marcus um, and for his family, who I know firsthand the sacrifices that they uh, put forward as their faithful offering to the Lord. So, Pastor, thank you so much. Um, but now let me tell you why I'm mad at Marcus. Go with me to Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So I was looking at the preaching schedule, and I was like, okay, the you know, hunger and thirst for righteousness, all this stuff. And I look at, I do, we have this spreadsheet that we share, and I'm like, 510, I said, oh, I think, oh my gosh. That is the passage on persecution. And I want you to imagine if you were one of the disciples there with Jesus trying to get a crowd going working on marketing and public relations, PR, trying to draw in people and get people to buy in. And he says this, blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness sake. How can that be? And I'm so glad you're here today because I need all the help I can get on this one. Okay, thank you, Dad. All right. For righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So persecution according to the, the great scholar Merriam-Webster, is to harass or punish in a manner designed to injure, grieve, or afflict, specifically to cause to suffer because of belief. 
And so in case you're not aware, in case you came up under a Christian faith tradition where everything is roses and butterflies, and you'll have a happier, better life now, and if you just believe hard enough, you'll be healthy and wealthy, um, Jesus has something different to say. He has a message that's quite impossible with our own human desires to not only accept, but to also enjoy. And so if you're just kicking the tires of Christianity, I want to give you a full disclosure today. The way that the paradigm is in the Christian faith is you are blessed if you are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Now, you might be thinking, well, in our day and age, there, there isn't really persecution, so let's talk about ways that people are persecuted. According to the International Christian Concern, their website, persecution.org, they say there is direct persecution, which are arrests, imprisonment, torture, assassinations and martyrdom, attacks on life and property, restrictions on churches and Bibles, forced conversion, and crimes against women, specifically for being Christians. But there's also indirect persecution of educational discrimination, job discrimination, denial of rights, legal restrictions. So what we have to ask ourselves if we profess to be followers of Jesus Christ is the underlying question that we have to ask is, is it really worth it? Is it worth it to follow Jesus? Because it seems that not that you'll get financially healthy or financially wealthy necessarily, or that you'll be healthy. But ask, actually, as you follow Jesus, a consequence of being right in Christ may actually be persecution. I don't know about you all, but I have a tendency, even on my good days, to order, orient my life based on comfort, not affliction. I think our country somewhat has that built in. I think our state, I think our county, I think our city is, well, where is our kid going to go to school? Is it safe? Is it comfortable? Is it good? Um, where are we going to church? Am I entertained? Do the kids like it? If you go to a place where people say, hey, this is what the Bible says, so therefore what you're doing is not right, People aren't going to always like it. And when you go to a church that actually sings to God and not to you, there's going to be times that you don't like it. The reason you go to concerts is you curate artists that you like, that sings to you, that resonates with you. And quite honestly, the Christian version of worship isn't about you at all. So just a few examples over the last month and some change. February 14th, 2022, India's Christian experience, um, their sharp uh, experience, sharp persecution increase. That's in February 14th, 2022. March 8th, 2022, a Christian convert assassinated in Iraq following his TikTok video. March 9th, 2022, controversial anti-conversion law introduced in Haryana, uh, India. In March 21st, 2022, insurgents attack Center of Christianity in Nigerian state. These are just a few current issues. And we can point to some in the United States of what it looks like, but, but you know, it's, it's somewhat, you know, there's lawsuits against uh, cake bakers who won't serve certain folks. There are people who um, are 
being uh, relationally ostracized because of their own faith. So there's, there's various things. So you may not get murdered in America right now, necessarily, especially in the come and take it land. Some of you are like, please come try. And you ignore verses like, turn the other cheek. You love me and hated me, right? Like that. Just like that. Because we're asking the question, is it worth it? Persecution is a consequence of living from the righteousness of Jesus. Persecution is a consequence of living from the righteousness of Jesus. It is a consequence, not the only consequence, but it is one. And so when he says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, notice it doesn't say, blessed are those who are persecuted for just being right. I have been right before in very wrong ways. I have acted like a two-year-old throwing a temper tantrum and using the Bible as my machete. Using Bible verses, saying things that were true, but in the way that I was saying them were not helpful at all. In my marriage, in my friend groups, online. And so to be rebuked for idiotic behavior is not persecution, it's called mercy. Hey, stop it. You sound like a jerk. That's a mercy you're not being attacked, you're being helped. It's possible to be very right in the very wrong way. So we're not talking about that. And so there's a conundrum because it's when you're persecuted for righteousness' sake, the Bible teaches from a quote from the Old Testament in Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 10, for none is righteous, no, not one. Right? And so this righteousness that we're being persecuted for isn't even our own manifestation of doing right stuff. We're actually paying for what God deems as righteous, which is Christ alone and in his word. And living into his word and from his word brings about a sense of righteousness that provokes a response from a non-believer, either that one of conversion or one of persecution. And I stole that from John Piper because it was so good. There's a paradigm that when we try and strive, as, as Paul writes, in one way to live in a peaceable way amongst all outsiders, while also knowing that Jesus didn't come to bring peace but to bring the sword, living in that tension as we seek to follow Jesus and obey Jesus with tender hearts and deep conviction, there will be persecution. And we'll be held account not only for upholding what we agree with, but even leave, living into what we socially may not like about what God's word says. And so we have to ask the question, is following Jesus worth it? It's one of value. Worship is actually worthship, giving worth back to God. That's why we worship when we don't feel like it. And I'm a big feeler. I obviously don't always feel like working out. I don't always feel like eating clean. I don't always feel like budgeting. I don't always feel like being patient. I don't always feel like going the speed limit. Speed suggestion. Sorry, I know there's an officer here. <laughs> feel, uh, 
it's, it's, it's more than feeling. Is it worth it enough to at times deny yourself and to push past the feeling of the moment to walk in obedience? And some of us on days, I don't feel like it's worth it. You might say, oh, you can't say that. Look at your life. Fortunately, his worth doesn't increase or diminish depending on how we feel his worth is that day. So fortunately, God's worthiness doesn't change. It's not the Polar Express that it, that, uh, or, or the, the sled and elf based on performance, based on the level of consensus of belief. God is God whether we believe it or not. Jesus is faithful even when we're faithless because he cannot deny himself. And so this righteousness of God that we're talking about is his righteousness is worth it, and God proved it by sending his only son to live a life obeying the laws and the prophecies, dying a death that you and I deserve on a cross, a horrible death, betrayed by his own people, murdered by the Romans, put to death, dead and buried by God's power, risen from the dead. So is it worth it? God thinks so. And so therefore, is God worth it? I hope so on most days. Faith. What is faith? It is a confident assurance of what we hope for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Hebrews 11.1. 1. So this faith in God's righteousness, because any righteousness that we have is found in Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26, Paul's writing, juxtaposing the righteousness of the Jews who follow the law versus the righteousness of the Gentiles who become a law upon themselves because of the way that they walk in obedience to God. And he says this, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. The righteousness of God through faith alone in the righteous one, Jesus Christ, for all who believe. I will say this, any man, woman, or child that will believe and place their trust in Jesus Christ will be saved. Now, theologically, people are, well, 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 no, no, time out. And if you know me, you know where I stand. Any man, woman, or child who places their faith and hope in Jesus Christ, no matter their nationality, background, anything else, ethnicity, gender, religion, whatever comes with it, who places their hope and trust in Jesus Christ will be saved. Now we must note that this faith in Jesus does have consequences. Persecution's one, but it's also like saying, hey, yeah, come be my roommate. And he says, no, 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 this is mine. That doesn't belong here anymore. It's gone. Full disclosure, that's what you get yourself into. Not fluffy Jesus, who's like a plushy toy. He comes with a very gentle, loving hand and a sledgehammer at times. And God calls that good. For there's no distinction. For all have sinned, you, all y'all have sinned in me, and fall short of the glory of God. What is God's standard? His standard. What is God's standard? His glory. Are you as good as God always? No. Therefore, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You can get persecuted today saying that all people, all human beings are sinners. And the way they do it is they compare themselves to people worse than them. But I'm a good person. Compared to what? To that max murderer. God, I hope so. 
I hope you are better, otherwise please leave. For all have sinned fall short of the glory of God and are justified. So all these sinners are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation, love that word, sacrificial payment on behalf of another, a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. The very thing we live to guard, the life of ourselves and those that matter to us, Jesus gave away as a payment on behalf of not his friends, not his warm, fuzzy relationships, his enemies, in obedience out of relationship to the Father, so that there is redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because of his divine forbearance. He had passed over former sins. He had pushed on to this time. He had come to this place. It was to show his righteousness at the present time. Your sin deserves physical death, spiritual death, suffering for eternity. That's what it deserves. But Jesus didn't remain in the grave. To show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just. He might keep his word. He might keep his promise that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Guess what? God is just to punish sin, and he is the one that justifies you and I through our faith in Jesus Christ. So he is just, and he justifies by his own will and his own desire, motivated by who he is, everything in his character, not merely his love or his mercy, but all that God is, all of God's glory, displayed in and through the death, the resurrection, and the impending return of his son Jesus is the reason and the hope we have in Christ. So is it worth it? So God's righteousness is found in God alone, not in our ability to keep his law. So on Mondays, when we start our week afresh, and we do our quiet time, and we say our prayers, and we've just written that big tithe check, God's not like, I am more happy with you today. The static is cleared up, the antennas are in line, or satellite now. No. Because he's not seeing you and your performance, he's seeing Christ in you. He's seeing Christ in you. He's seeing Christ, the accomplished work of Christ. And so his pleasure is not contingent on your performance. Now the unbeliever would respond, the unbelieving believer would respond and say, well great, I'll go on sinning so that grace might abound all the more. By no means. Well, my wife will forgive me if I'm unfaithful, so party hard. <laughs> I heard someone say, uh-uh. <laughs> right, because love produces gratitude and gratitude produces fidelity or faithfulness and so from this gratitude from the great sacrifice of our lord we're faithful not because we're earning anything extra but because we've been given it all we've been given god through christ so being righteous because we've been made right with God, enables us to do righteousness. And it 
And the way we do that is by forming habits and living from these habits towards righteous living. A lot of our sin is habitual, meaning that as human beings, whether you like it or not, we're highly habitual people. Go brush your teeth with the opposite hand tomorrow. Half of them fall out. Not in one day, hopefully. You're really bad if it happens in one day. But it's the idea of doing things. We're habitual beings, and so following Christ is, requires spiritual habits. A lot of times we say spiritual discipline. But as I heard it said, we are 100% disciplined to the habits that we have. And so if you want to get to the root of some of the sin in your life, start looking at your habits. Some of y'all just need a flip phone. Some of you just need to get off Facebook. Some of you need to turn off Fox News or CNN. Some of you need to start realizing that, yeah, there's a lot of things that are out of your control, but God is in control, so maybe the time you spend on fretting out of being out of control, you start on your knees towards the one who is. I'm talking to myself, too. That's why I hate preaching, is because then you have to undo yourself, and that's why Marcus gave me 10 weeks to prepare. Because I don't want to come up here and spew hypocrisy. Which we do. I mean, Timothy Keller uh, recently posted online, he said, uh, we need to repent from our repentance because even that is unholy. We need to repent of our own repentance because even from there it's impure. I know. That's why I don't look at Facebook. So our righteousness isn't like, oh, I've got to try harder to be righteous. No, no, no. Our role is faithfulness. I'm going to show up. What I don't feel, I'm going to admit. God, I don't feel like obeying today. God, I, I, don't, I don't want to do that. God, I, I did that because I didn't want to. That's when God can do some work. When we're constantly trying to spin God, then it, one, it's exhausting. Two, it's futile. And three, when the time comes to be faithful to God to the point of death and find joy in doing so, it ain't going to happen. It's like going to run a marathon and never training. It's just not going to happen. I mean, you could. Steph's cousin did that, and all of his toenails fell off. I won't say his name, but true story, funny story. Not for him at the time. <laughs> but Jesus goes on, and he continues to build upon this idea in verses 11 and 12. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Notice he says, falsely. Some of us, we, we incur the appropriate wrath from non-believers because of the way we handle ourselves. And notice that Jesus, um, a lot of the heat he got wasn't from outsiders, it was from people inside the Jewish faith. Right? And so... This infighting between Christianity, some of it's definitely rooted in pride, but some of it is necessary correction, yet our hard hearts won't review, accept that at times as mercy, but view it as being attacked. I hear that all the time. If you're trying to lovingly hold someone accountable, why am I being attacked? And so what that means for me, when I feel that way and say that way, is, man, this is embarrassing, this is uncomfortable, I really love my sin, or my intent 
is, having, uh, is not being matched in the effect of my actions or attitudes. So my effect isn't matching my intent. So even though I'm intending this, this is how it's being experienced. So I need to adjust out of love and courtesy. Notice he says, when people persecute you for doing the right thing. So when you hear people say, well, she just thinks she's better than everyone else because she's not participating in this activity. Wasn't she a goody two-shoe? Now that's verbal, you know, and, but that hurts. It's not, it's not great when you're trying to live a righteous life and you're not judging other people, or, but, but there will provoke a response. Either people pause and reflect on their current pattern of life and their current trajectory, or they point fingers and blame. I've been guilty of both. Or we start immediately defending our intent and judging theirs. But being persecuted and utter kind of evil against you falsely on my account, there's always traps. This seems like such a low-hanging fruit now in conversations about faith. But back 10, 15 years ago, one of the ways that you would try to be trapped is like, so you actually believe that all good people, if they don't know Jesus or worship a different way, would spend eternity in hell? And so if you just flippantly say, yeah, and rightfully so, you might deserve some, what you're doing is positioning yourself as those people rather than, hey, our righteousness is not found in our righteousness but in God's righteousness. And so a way to handle that question would be, I believe Jesus, I believe the Bible, and the Bible says for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and that the wages of sin is death, but that the free gift of God is life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So because I believe Jesus, I believe that sadly and unfortunately that anyone dies apart from faith in Christ, spends an eternity separated from God in hell. That either takes a step towards conversion or a step towards persecution. And you name the hot button subject. I mean, quite honestly, it's above my pay grade to make those final calls. Someone else, someone else made the call. And so being persecuted for righteousness, now it doesn't mean I start blasting all my opinions on social. If you're on social and see me on there, I very rarely blast any opinion. Because last time I, my mind was changed from reading a social media post was never. I've been affirmed in the echo chamber thanks to the algorithm that keeps me on there longer, so I see the ads and I buy more, more stuff. But I, I mean, it's an echo chamber. So you get all these likes, maybe you get an angry face, and then you get in a fight, and then you don't know the person's tone or their thing, and then you get, maybe if it gets really big, you go over to Messenger, and then you try to end up meeting up at Brookshire Brothers to fight it out or something. I don't know. How, <laughs> I haven't escalated that much, but like I, or H-E-B, I don't know. Just, it's more dangerous to fight in that parking lot because it's crazy. All kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. And he says something wild. Rejoice and be glad. Won't you look like an absolute nut job when they're taking you to be burnt at the stake like one man and he goes and kisses the pole? It has to provoke conversion or persecution. A person's soul 
is either going to be inclined or diminished from that. Your soul today is either offended or liberated. And we have to answer the question, is it worth it? Great is the reward in heaven. That's, that's the, the vision or hope. It's kind of like when you're 23 years old and someone's like, hey, start a Roth IRA. It's going to be worth it. Put away $6,000 a year and you're making like 18000 And you're like, yeah, but I want Cheesecake Factory. Right? So whether it's retirement or, or delaying satisfaction, I don't like to do that very often. And so this idea of putting away or saving, he's saying, hey, no, 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 this eternal perspective, this shifting your gaze higher and above your current circumstance, the, the hope and promise that, that Jesus not only went to the cross but did so praying for his enemies and inviting others to the kingdom while hanging on that cross, saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. How is one able to do that? It's because they've realized and they've tasted and seen that God is good. They've had an eternal encounter that allows him or her to really see the valuation of what is being granted and given, that these, these, these little slow sufferings and, and this persecution being faced for the sake of others, not for the sake of just being right and feeling good about being right. If you call yourself a prophet, you probably aren't. That's just a side note. Most of the self-professed prophets I know, they just take Jesus' words and give excuse for being a jerk. It's like going to a doctor that has one tool, a chainsaw. Oh, you hurt your wrist. Doesn't hurt anymore, does it? Because you don't have it. We, we've got to learn that, hey, guess what? This, what Jesus is talking about is like walking with Jesus in humility and with conviction, with clarity and thoughtfulness, because great is the reward in heaven. And there are days you don't see that reward, and there's days you forget that reward, and that's why we need each other to be reminded. It's not like a foolish pastor that walks into a funeral home, pats a person on the back saying, glory to God, they're in a much better place now. While that is true, that's not the best way to handle that situation. I'm so sorry for your loss. I can't imagine the pain and sorrow that you're currently going through. We're praying for you. We need to quit saying things like, well, God just need another angel. Angels are different than humans. You don't get your wings. Okay, I'm, I'm ADD and on my platform now. I'll move over back. I don't need undue persecution. It's like, yes, we are, Grandma. Okay, whatever. Back on. If you ever waver in your faith, then go read Hebrews 11 about those saints that have gone before us. Look at the stories of all the apostles that all save one were martyred for their faith. Rejoice and be glad because your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. 
Your reward is great in heaven. And so when we encourage you to read God's word and to connect, whether in Sunday school or in community group, and to come regularly to worship with other believers, it's not just so that you can gain the benefits of joining a club. It's because you are the church, and the church needs one another to continue to endure suffering, to go through facing persecution, to stand what for what is right in the right way. And when we hold each other to account saying, hey, that wasn't the best way, We can at least stop and consider without immediately getting defensive. Because why? Because we trust Jesus and because we have a relationship with Jesus. And from that relationship with Jesus, we can hope that God will keep his promises even on days we don't believe that. And we can hope that our other believers around us won't bat a thousand. They won't be perfect all the time. But if we're aimed towards the same goal and the same outcome of faithfulness to Christ and to see his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, then we will be open to the fact that maybe, just maybe, we're not always right. One of the things I'm confronting in my own pride that Stephanie can echo and say, yes, he's trying, is one of the things I notice is when I am wrong and I'm called on for being wrong, I feel embarrassed. Embarrassment comes from a big pool of shame. My focus on that valuation of avoiding embarrassment at all costs, unless I do it to be funny, is pride. Now, don't come tell me, like, oh, you should be embarrassed. I saw you do this, and I said, stop. But that happens, and I have to start saying, as I dig deeper in my soul, and I hope in the righteousness of Christ, I can then have courage to face deficiencies and hope for a better tomorrow. And even if tomorrow isn't any better, the eternal tomorrow is. And we don't rush to get there because God is sovereign over our time. But we can live with hope, even in suffering, as we mature. Because we have to understand, believers, that persecution is a consequence of living from the righteousness of Jesus. But the only way that we endure persecution and experience this joy and this gratitude is by knowing and loving and having increasing trust and hope in our Savior Jesus, which we're empowered and enabled to do by God granting to us his Holy Spirit that carries us in a moment of need, giving us his word that we're able to to take in, giving us his people that we're able to be encouraged so that we might be able to go and offer help and aid to those facing much worse persecution, but also that we might endure it together faithfully. This morning, you might find yourself asking that question, I'm not sure if I've ever believed that he's worth it. Maybe this morning you realize that God is true and Jesus Christ is the Savior and that he died and rose again that I might believe and be saved. There's not any magical thing you must do other than cry out to God for his mercy, and he gives it. As followers of Jesus, it's easy to fight for comfort alone. But as we mature in our faith, as we grow in Jesus, we're able to face our current trials, not with guilt and shame because we don't yet feel grateful, but we can be grateful, knowing that God is not finished and that he is at work. In those moments when I feel overwhelmed, I'm increasingly hoping that we form the habit to be prayer warriors. The reason we pray is because it's beyond our effect. The reason we pray is because we need God to intervene. The reason we pray is we need to realign ourselves in hoping that he is the righteous one, working righteousness in us for his glory and for our good. Let's pray.